right, that he's been weaving through all of Colossians. And we could summarize it this way. Therefore, in view of all that God the Father has done for you in God the Son, through God the Holy Spirit, put to death these sins. Because God has transferred us out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved Son. We've been buried with him in his death and now raised to new life in the power of his glorious resurrection. We know that Jesus Christ has purchased our redemption and forgiveness of sins and he's canceled the debt that stood against us through his blood shed on the cross. He's already done all these things. While we were his enemies, Christ died for us. There's nothing more that God can give us. He's already given us himself and provided the way of salvation solely through the work of Jesus. So brother or sister, tempted towards a performance posture or a rules-based mindset, be free. God already loves you fully in Christ. These commands are about your joy, not about your standing before God. Well, God has given us new life in Christ, and he commands us with a stern warning to put to death things that ultimately crucified the Son of God. We need to see that tonight. These sins ultimately were what crucified the Son of God. And he knows what's best for us. He doesn't need us to obey, but he wants what's best for us that we might know him and see him more clearly and enjoy him more deeply. He loves us. He's inviting us to live in the freedom and the joy that comes from the gospel and not the slavery and death that comes from the earth and things of the flesh. Well, these sins, on, these sins only lead to death. Therefore, putting them to death, the fruit of that is joy. It's joy in knowing God and being satisfied in him. So what sins is God calling us to put to death? What actions or heart motivations reflect the old self and not the new self? Well, since our time is limited, we're not going to walk through each of the 11 sins one by one. Uh, we would spend one minute and then on each one and then be done by the time uh, this was over. But I actually think it's helpful for us to just take a step back and see thematics of what Paul is talking about at a high level. But I would encourage each of us to spend intentional time this week looking at that list, praying, asking the Lord to reveal the ways in which we are falling into these sins, and pray and talk with one another about it. Well, the first list we see, it says, put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. These sins are, these are sins where something else or someone else is taking the place of God in our hearts. Instead of loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we look to these other things to satisfy. We look to some, something or someone else to satisfy us. Well, the call is for us to put to death anything that you elevate over God in your life. And Paul lists two common realms of life where we're tempted to elevate God or elevate them over God and his word. First, all forms of sexual immorality. Paul uses four different terms here to capture the breadth of sinful sexual desires and passions that one may be tempted with. Well, how does sexual immorality replace God in your life? Instead of submitting to the word of God, which is clear on these matters, it says, this person or this desire is more important to me than God. I need this to be satisfied. Rather than keeping sex solely within the boundaries of marriage between one man and one woman, we distort it in so many different ways, and our world distorts it in so many ways, and it's only increasingly so. Whether it's pornography or homosexuality or adultery, the list goes on. 
The other realm of life where we're tempted to replace God is with material things. The text says covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is ultimately placing more worth and hope in created things rather than in God himself. It's desiring something that God hasn't given you and desiring that thing more than desiring God and being satisfied and content in him right now. Sexual immorality and covetousness elevate people, desires, and things over God. We're called to put them to death because they only lead to death. No one will ever be satisfied in chasing after these things. The second list is in verses 8 through 9. But now you must put, away, put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Well, these sins primarily deal with ways we don't love our neighbor and with our speech. I say primarily because this list can also be directed, our heart directed towards God, but I think more often than not, it's direct, directed at the ways in which we love or do not love one another. The old self is easily angered, has hatred towards, or judges our neighbor. Rather than humbly seeking their good while displaying the fruit of the Spirit, we elevate ourselves and our desires over theirs. We sin against them in our hearts by storing up evil thoughts against them, which often turns into wicked speech or action towards them. We must put to death anything that takes the place of God in our lives and prevents us from loving our neighbor. So flee sexual immorality and covetousness. Flee selfishness in your hearts towards your neighbor and plead with the Lord to bridle your tongue to only speak what is praiseworthy or excellent in the sight of Christ. And Paul isn't merely suggesting this. He's commanding us to put to death these sins. These sins prevent us from seeing, knowing, and enjoying God. And they only lead to death. And he gives the stern warning that the wrath of God is stored up against these things. Now, no Christian's going to be perfect in these areas until he calls us home. But we must be continually repenting and pursuing the Lord to put them to death. Repentance, faith, and reliance on the Lord should mark the believer as he or she works to put them to death rather than any one of these specific sins taking them over and marking their life. Brother or sister, tempted towards a posture of pride, heed the stern warning from God tonight. While you should give God praise for any way he's given you victory in any of these areas, be on guard. It was his grace that helped you, and it's only by his grace that he will continue to help you be holy. As Proverbs says, pride comes before the fall, so humbly seek God tonight to expose the ways in which you're sinning against him in any of these areas. Confess it and ask him to help keep you humble and hoping in him. So how do we put these sins to death? How do we put these sins to death? Well, Paul give, Paul's letter gives us two actions to take. First, we are to cast our minds to Christ in heaven. Cast our minds to Christ in heaven. And second, take your weakness to your powerful Savior. Take your weakness to your powerful Savior. First, put to death these sins by casting your minds to Christ in heaven. Verse 10 says, Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of, its, of your Creator. Renewing your mind in knowledge. Why knowledge? Will knowledge actually help me fight these sins? Don't we already know what we're supposed to do? Well, the Lord knows that what we fill our minds with will shape the desires of our heart. What we fill our minds with will shape the desires of our heart. 
And the world is constantly filling us with the things of earth. It's nonstop. It's continually throwing the things of earth at us. And if we passively sit by and continue to drink the hope of the world, our desires for these sins will only continue to grow. It's like feeding fuel to the fire. Are you filling your mind with shows that tempt your heart towards lust? It's only going to feed the fuel of that sin. Are you filling your mind with news that makes you skeptical and judgmental and hate, hating of other people? It's only going to feed the fuel of not loving your neighbor. Are you filling your mind by surrounding yourself really only with unbelievers more than spending time with fellow believers? Well, your desires are going to start to look more like theirs than they are the desires of heaven. So rather than filling our minds with death, God invites us to cast our minds to Christ in heaven. And when we do so, we're able to see reality rightly and have our hearts fueled with heavenly things rather than earthly things. Casting our minds to Christ in heaven helps us see the victory of what Christ has already accomplished. When we look to heaven and see him there ruling and reigning, we realize Jesus didn't stay dead. He's risen from the grave and he's defeated sin, death, and Satan. And now he's reigning and ruling. This means that our forgiveness has been purchased and our debt has been paid. And as we see his victory, we're reminded that our performance didn't dictate that victory. It was solely his. So we fight from a posture of accomplished, paid in full, rather than outstanding balance still, still owed. We don't, fight, we don't fight these sins with God just marking down that balance. It's already paid in full. So when we cast our minds to heaven, we see the victory. And so we fight from a posture of victory, not of performance. Casting our minds to Christ in heaven helps us see and hope in the future that he is preparing for us. A place where there's no more suffering, no more tears, no more separation from God and one another. Only good and joy in his presence with his people from every tribe and tongue. And this future is guaranteed. It's not hypothetical. So when you meditate on this hope, it will fuel your hearts with desire to work for eternal things rather than earthly things. And casting our minds to Christ in heaven helps us see our sin rightly and clearly. When we look to Christ in heaven, we see the scars and wounds on our Savior. Just think of Jesus and Luke uh, with the doubting apostles. He says, come see and touch my scars. Ultimately, our sin cost Jesus his life. So as we see the scars and wounds on our Savior, Savior we're able, able to see the death that sin produces. And we're able to see that anything we might be tempted to pursue, none of that is worth it. None of that will satisfy. Only Christ will. So what does it look like to practically cast your mind to Christ in heaven? Well, when you're tempted with any of these sins, run to God in prayer. Plead with him to help you see your Savior and all he's done for you. Text brothers and sisters saying, I'm really struggling with, with this right now. I'm tempted in this particular way. Will you pray that my mind would be filled with the things of God? Would you pray that my desires would be changed in this moment? Run to God's word. Let his word renew your mind in knowledge. God's wor- word is full of his great and precious promises that he's kept, that he's keeping, and that he will keep each and every day moving forward. And then lastly, order and schedule uh, your day with rhythms of prayer, reading, and fellowship. Like I said, the world is constantly trying to 
get us to look to its hope and its desires, so we have to structure our days in a way that would help us through prayer, through reading, through fellowship. The mindset on Christ will have desires shaped to his and will be strengthened in the fight for holiness. What you fill your mind with will shape the desires of your heart. So a question for all of us tonight is, what in your life is preventing you from casting your mind to Christ in heaven each and every day? Is it entertainment? Are you running to entertainment? How much time do you spend watching shows versus spending time in fellowship or reading or in prayer? Are you just running to work for distraction? Are you running, are you consumed with technology? There are so many things that occupy our time and occupy and are shaping our minds where we could be spending time with our Lord. So we're to cut it off by replacing it with that which is infinitely more joyful and infinitely more powerful than help in helping us conform us to the image of Christ. And God desires to increase our knowledge of him and what he's done for us. He delights in, incre- in helping us know him more. Well, it's often hard to cast our minds to Christ in heaven, especially in our own strength. In the fight for holiness, we are too weak to fight on our own. So our God doesn't simply call us to set our minds on things above in our own strength. He graciously supplies the strength to cast our minds to Christ in heaven. Put to death these sins by bringing your weakness to your powerful Savior. So put to death these sins by bringing your weakness to your powerful Savior. In our fight against sin, it's easy to think that it's up to us to put it to death. It's up to us to have the strength to overcome. And this is one of the errors that the Colossians believed. But Paul clearly shows us that in chapter 2, self-made religion, asceticism, and severity to the body are of no value in stopping indulgence to the flesh. It's also easy to become discouraged, weary, and hopeless, thinking that sin will always win in our lives, and that weariness can lead to shame, and to us believing that God is wearied by us continually coming to him for our need for help. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought, man, the Lord is probably sick of me praying this specific thing. He's tired of me asking for help each and every day in this particular area. And weariness can ultimately keep us from casting our minds to Christ in heaven because of that shame that prevents us. But the good news of the gospel is that while we were weak, Christ died for us. And now for the Christian, God loves and is pleased to strengthen his children when they are weak. I'm just going to read Colossians 1, 9 through 11, which honestly are some of my favorite verses in all of scripture. It says this, and this is Paul praying. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Rather than being wearied, By us needing his strength, God is pleased and delights in strengthening you to fight sin. The Spirit delights in helping you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. He delights in helping you cast your mind to Christ in heaven. He is pleased to increase your knowledge of himself. This is so helpful for us to realize that God isn't tired, he's not wearied, he's not sick of us coming to him with pleas for mercy. He never gets, it actually pleases him. Think about how that is pure grace. It pleases God, it gives him joy 
to answer the prayers of his weak kids who he's made new but still struggle with sin. How good of a God do we have? He's that loving, he's that patient that he would have joy not only in saving his enemies but also helping them provide, helping them, provide them with his strength to fight each and every day. So brother or sister struggling with weariness in the fight, be encouraged knowing your God delights to give you strength to cast your mind to heaven. Keep turning and pleading with him to strengthen you for the day. He will surely give it. Well, God desires us to have the fullness of joy in his presence, the psalmist says. He hates when his kids run towards the things of death. So we are to put to death that which leads to death by knowing and enjoying our powerful Savior. And we do this by casting our minds to Christ in heaven. We do that together. And we do that by taking our weakness to our powerful Savior. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you that you have not left us helpless in this fight to put to death the things of earth, that which is earthly in us. Lord, we thank you for your patience your love towards sinners, Lord, it's amazing that you get joy in helping your weak kids each and every day. So Lord, would you help us to cast our minds to Christ in heaven, to see his victory, to see the the promised and sure future that he's preparing for us, and that you might help us see our sin rightly. God, make us a holy people. Help us help one another fight sin. For your glory alone, it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.